Someone came along on a Dublin rental bike, which is our kind of equivalent of a Boris bike, and cycled straight into a pole. Now, he may have smoked quite a bit of marijuana. There was a bit of a bang off him, wasn't there? He had to acclimatize over three weeks and go up to different base camps on this climb. It's not like a walk, Anthony. You don't bring your dogs. <laughs> he was out power walking for three weeks. He went on a three-week power walking holiday. To me, because I was like the antichrist the night before and that morning of the show with him. And, you know, he was mulling over everything in my mind. And Anthony, I think I owe you a formal apology. I didn't even know you're like an antichrist. <laughs> Welcome to the Romance Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh and six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness and longevity. Now let's get into the show. It's Friday, it's episode 679 and it's time for Newbie Questions. Sarah, welcome back on this beautiful Friday. I know, it's so exciting. Do you know what? We're recording this at nighttime. We always record newbie questions in the morning. And I don't know what Anthony's playing at, but he has all the lights off, a bit of soft lighting. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. It's <laughs> it's not as creepy as your uh, thoughts last week on drinking milk and winking at Got a people. bit of stick over that on the group, right? I, I got accused of having a filthy mind. You're over-sexualized, I well, describe it's, it as. it's not that. It's just, yeah, just a little, uh, maybe. I'll take it. You're just trying to bring cycling <laughs> into the 21st century, are you? <laughs> exactly. Open our minds a little, expand our horizons. It was, it was actually a comment from Jer on the group spin. Um, he said that he never wants his wife to meet me because apparently she's got a filthy mind as well. And that's because she works with men. And I think, <laughs> I don't know, is that fair on men? Probably, probably. I think so. It's probably what happened to me as well. Uh, how did it feel to be one of only four women in a 2,000 person audience watching David Goggins? Yeah, it was kind of intimidating. <laughs> we were walking into David Goggins and for anyone who doesn't know who David Goggins is... Everyone knows who David Goggins they is, don't, so stop Anthony, that sentence. They don't, they don't. I talked to a few people who don't know who he is. He's a ex-Navy SEAL. He's, his whole mantra is like, stay fucking hard. He's one of these people that shouts at you to motivate you. And I'm you actually just not, cry. You I'm cried not, on the way home the group ride before because it was too hard. <laughs> Do you remember once I was like, just leave me, Anthony, leave me. And Anthony just saw this look of pure panic in my eyes welling up. So we kind of rolled off together on the side and I just pulled in, had a big, ugly cry. <laughs> yeah, I remember we let the whole group go left. And I was like, no, no, we'll go right, Sarah. And then you pulled in and just started crying. It was so hard. That was such a hard day. <laughs> you know you're not suited for a group ride, folks, if you cry on the way home from it. <laughs> but all was good because we pulled into McDonald's and he bought me a McFlurry, so my sugar levels went back up. I think that was officially a bonk. It was absolutely horrendous. Who said romance is dead? Exactly. So David Goggins is this, he's amazing. I don't think I'm painting of doing him any justice because he is very motivational. He's very interesting. He's come through a lot of trauma in his life and he's just super. And there was, yeah, 1,997 men in this auditorium, three women. <laughs> and they were all these like gym bros with their <laughs> protein shakers. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking for motivation from David Goggins. And it was, it was excellent, wasn't it? It was really good. I said it on the podcast during the week. I had one where I talked about three lessons that I learned from the David Goggins talk. But I just felt the Q&A at the end was a pretty disappointing way to end. I know some of the questions were brilliant. The English lad who stood up and his daughter had passed away from cancer and Goggins had inspired him to set up a non-profit charity. 
And that was brilliant. And I know, like, I looked over at you and you're in tears. Oh, yeah, again, I was crying again. It was a very emotional part of it. But yeah, I just, I thought the show, Goggins was brilliant, but the show I thought was a little poor. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. But the thing about David Goggins is he's such a professional. Even when the questions were poor, his answers still ended up being really, really strong. He's, he's really so, funny. He's very funny. One lady got on the mic and she was like, David, I've, I've, you know, I admire you so much, blah, blah, blah. I've been following you, you've inspired me, blah, blah. And she's like, I just want to ask the question. Everyone, everyone wants to know, what's your skin routine? Your skin is amazing. <laughs> And I was delighted then because he actually pulled up his top and showed off his abs. So <laughs> highlight of the evening for me. <laughs> You've been dining out on that one for quite a few days. Since. I have been. I have been. He could be, he's up there with Alex. He's up there with Alex Howes as, uh, you know. Sarah's sex symbols. <laughs> Let's move on because I'm getting pretty uncomfortable. So the listeners are probably getting pretty uncomfortable <laughs> as well. I just want to mention my coach, Aaron. Aaron, this week just summited... Aconagua, I'm going to say is the pronunciation. It's the highest peak outside of Asia. And Aaron is what you would call a tough guy. He's got a bit of the David Goggins in him as well. We always say about Aaron that he's he'd be a hard man to kill. Yeah, so Aaron, she's referring to Aaron <laughs> Carney, who came on yeah. the Chamois Time Tour with me this year. And yeah, like I did, hadn't ridden that sort of expedition with Aaron in the past, but it was just refreshing because there was times where one day in particular, we turned out of a hotel with no water into like a gravel trail after like 20k, no water, temperature started going up pretty extreme. We found ourselves on a gravel trail at midday or two, three hours in, still no water. We both knew we were in a bad spot. It didn't need to be said that we we're in a bad spot, but he he knew the importance of staying positive at times like that. And, you know, we obviously got out of it because I'm here to tell the story. But with someone who's really negative in a time like that, you can turn a bad spot into a catastrophic spot pretty fast. So I'd be very fast to go back and do more chamois time tours with Aaron. And you're going to hear him back on the podcast because we've loads of cool plans for next year. Uh, would you go and do Aconagua with them? I would. I'd love to do some Do extreme, a really big climb. Yeah. That's not called climb. It's a walk. You went walking. It's not a walk. <laughs> they had to, he had to acclimatize over three weeks and go up to different base camps on this climb. It's not like a walk, Anthony. <laughs> you don't bring your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> he was out power walking for three weeks. He went on three-week power walking holiday. No, you're doing him a massive injustice there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this week on the podcast, again, more Whopper guests. One, and I haven't got cancelled to this point yet, so maybe there's still some time to go for the real woke brigade to cancel me, but Duke Agupong, we spoke about non-binary athletes and trans athletes and their role in sport. We didn't go super deep on it because none of us really had an answer. My goal with this, this is a conversation that everybody is trying to avoid because they're terrified to speak about it because of the fear of being cancelled, the fear of getting online abuse. But I think dialogue is the way forward. Dialogue is the way to understand what are the problems inherent in this debate and how do we solve those problems. Duke was absolutely brilliant. There's someone I'd love to get over on the Roman Group's bin and I've reached out to Duke and maybe that will happen in the upcoming weeks. So watch this space. And the second one with Grant Hockley, an old coach of mine, which was, yeah, it was just brilliant chatting, reconnecting with Grant because I haven't chatted to him in years and he coaches so many amazing riders, world tour riders, some of the best guys in the world. And he's had an amazing journey the last 10 years since he used to coach me, including a degree and a master's in sports psychology. I haven't listened to that one yet, but 
did Grant remember you, like your sessions, your progression through the sport or was it too far ago? Yeah, we we didn't really talk specifically about, I can't remember what sessions I was doing either. <laughs> but I, I remember Grant's been a brilliant coach and someone I had the whole sort of a fond place in my memory of my journey up through cycling. And we reconnected on Twitter. And I've, you know, Twitter has been overwhelmingly a positive experience since we've started bringing the community across the Twitter. I'm very fast to block people over there though. Like it's sort of my space for collecting our community over on Twitter. So if anyone has anything but positivity to bring, unless it's constructive, they're just getting blocked straight away. Yeah, I've been heavy on the block button now this week. My my index finger is has got a blister on the top of it from pressing block. I'm getting a lot of hate over there. Well, so. just to circle back, I know you want to jump into the questions, but to circle back, it was exactly what Goggins advised around social media. And it came at a time when you'd had your first post on Twitter that had gone kind of semi-viral and you got a good bit of backlash on it, as you do anytime something goes semi-viral. It's like, walking down a street, some people are going to really agree with your opinions and others are just going to be toxic and they're going to abuse you. That was much the response you had to your post and Goggins gave similar advice that you just need to block people. If someone's coming to your space and they're bringing anything but positivity, it's just like, get out of here. Bye, boy. Yeah, it was kind of like Goggins was speaking directly to me because I was like the antichrist the night before and that morning of the show with him and, you know, was mulling over everything in my mind. And Anthony, I think I owe you a formal apology. I didn't even notice you're like an antichrist. (laughs) Anthony, at what point should I stop doing home maintenance on my bike? For context, I only started riding a year ago and I've managed to change cassettes, tires, chain rings. But of late... I'm doing things like indexing my gears. But when I was doing that, I managed to snap the cable from over tightening and I've done the same with my dropper post cable. Well, home maintenance has given me knowledge to get myself out of a situation on the road. I feel like I've now lost all confidence to attempt anything at home. What's the limit of what I should be attempting at home? I love this question. That's from CJ Whelan. I would keep going at it. I think you've cracked it and you've probably got some of the tools already. It, like Considering you've only been riding a year, managing to change cassettes, tires, chain rings, that's an amazing start. You're probably missing just a couple of tools to stop you making those silly mistakes, like over-torquing screws. It's a classic one. You don't think the torque recommendations matter when you're starting out. So the old school one is just tighten, tighten, tighten until you hear a crack and then back it off a little bit. (laughs) But a simple investment like a torque wrench is going to stop you making those real schoolboy errors. And you're really close to making a breakthrough on it. Some of the stuff, I'm completely honest, I could do it really well when I was in college and when I was riding the bike full time. Like I could strip a bike totally apart. Like someone would take a, like an ex-Marine would pull his gun apart and put it back together in record time. <laughs> that was like me with the bike every evening. You've got the, like the black, the black on your cheeks, yeah. <laughs> you know, the bandana, but you're just taking your bike apart, yeah, not your AK-47. <laughs> yeah. But now with the advancements in tech, like with electric gears, with disc brakes, bleeding brakes, I don't know how to do some of that stuff. And it is actually on my list for gaming up my skills as well. I don't think there's a limit on it. I think your confidence will come back. That's just a a measure of you making a couple of mistakes at the moment. Your confidence will come back. If you're unsure, you you can always have someone more experienced look over your work for a while until you get that confidence. But honestly, when you start outsourcing, you start dropping into bike shops, a lot of bike shops don't have brilliant mechanics either. And you'll get a 
back from a bike shop and you'll see something is amiss and then you lose confidence in the bike shop and you've also paid a lot of money and you've wasted quite a few days for it to get fixed. When you're able to fix it yourself, it gives you amazing confidence in the bike when you're firing it down the sense and going away on foreign holidays. Are the bike shops and the bike mechanics, Are they have they just been licking their lips and rubbing their hands together in glee with the, how bikes, how complicated they've become? Again, with like DI2, geez, I hardly even know how to plug my DI2 in, never mind troubleshoot it. You do need specific software, don't you, to, to check these things. It's more the mechanical side of things that you can do at home. It's like, I said, I, to one, it's like I said to one of my friends who was an electrician, I said, how does it feel to be able to set your prices depending on how old and vulnerable your client is? <laughs> but honestly, the bike shops are, some of them are amazing, but there's, like anything, you have the full continuum. It's when we start generalizing and go, all taxi drivers hate cyclists. Like they don't. I have great friends who are taxi drivers and are also cyclists. Jeez, I wouldn't talk to a taxi driver. Tony's amazing. I love Tony. <laughs> and so, you know, it's the same with bike shops. You're going to shop around if you are going to bring it to the bike shop. There's places with great mechanics. There's places with terrible mechanics. We are brought to you today by Athletic Greens, AG1. This magical green powder of 75 pristinely sourced vitamins and minerals supports your gut health, immune function, and it helps with energy, recovery, focus, and even anti-aging. These are a few of the many reasons that AG1 has become a staple part of my routine. First thing, every morning into a cold glass of water. AG1 saves me time and money by taking all the guesswork out of what vitamin stack I should be using to help optimize my health. So you can reclaim your health with convenient daily nutrition. It's easy. One scoop in a cup of water every day. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free year's supply of immune-supporting vitamin D plus five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash roadman. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash roadman to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The link and all the details for this offer are in today's show notes. Right, next question is from Bert. <laughs> His handle is, let me get this right now, at Bert, 711 Catchy, Bert, catchy. Bert, just at Bert, obviously. There's a lot of Berts out there. Bert so. has an amazing moustache, I'd say. <laughs> Such a cool name, isn't it? It's just strong. <laughs> it's a strong masculine name. Bert. Okay, so Bert says, I ride off-road mountain bike. My daughter... Of course he rides mountain bike with a name like Bert and a handlebar moustache. My daughter does triathlon and asked me to do the ride for her. So it's more of a fun one than a serious one. My question is, do I need to do any special training to ride 20 miles on the road or will my mountain bike background be good enough? I think you got this, Bert. I think if you're... Bert has been, this. Yeah, if you've been riding the mountain bike and you're used to turning your legs over for north of an hour you're going to be fine 20 miles is going to take probably just over an hour assuming you're on some sort of road bike and you're not going full gas it depends what your goal is if it's a 20 mile race and you want to train specifically for it that's a different question if it's you want to finish the 20 mile yeah you got this and also it's how competitive is your daughter what's your daughter's goals for you for this race does she really want results is she just out for fun you know you kind of have to be aligned with that well, specificity i think is the takeaway word here it's like as you get close to an event, your the demands of your training should mimic the demands of your event. So, you know, if the 20 miler is in two weeks, 
instead of mountain biking for the next two weeks, can you get out on the road and do, you know, two 10-mile efforts? Can you do one 15-mile effort? Can you build up to doing a 20-mile effort over a couple of weeks and replicate that effort you're going to do on race day? Triathlon's not like riding in a group as well. You're going to be out there on your own. You can't actually you know, tuck in behind somebody, hop on their wheel and get a little little bit of a break. It's essentially a time trial. So you are going to be on your own. So practice in the headwinds, all that kind of stuff. Borrow a road bike too. You do see people doing triathlons on mountain bikes and you see every type of bike really, especially on those kind of fun triathlons. But yeah, if you can get a road bike or better still get yourself a TT bike. Next question. Okay, this question is from Jason Giller. Anthony, you've probably been asked this before, but I've just signed up with a coach to help with a structured training plan. I know I need that structure to make it work for me. What would you say are the pros and cons of a structure plan? Now you're going to get the Eskimo trying to sell you snow here. We know what to do. Like cons of a structure training plan. I think it's somebody that's potentially going to wreck your head. If you're a type of person who doesn't like guidance, who doesn't work well following structure, who doesn't like accountability, I think it's going to annoy you. You know, if you're someone who likes to wake up in the morning and impromptu decide if you want to ride the bike today, if you don't want to ride the bike today. And if you do, what type of ride you want to do. Maybe you wake up and the mood strikes you to go and ride the trails or the mood strikes you to go and ride the indoor trainer. Having no coach is maybe the move for you. If you're somebody who's very time restricted, you're looking at balancing work, family, and trying to fit your training in around that, and also, you need accountability to get you to your goals. Or maybe you're unsure what you know what steps take you to your goals. It's that idea of creating this domino. Can we create a situation where you just have to execute on today's session and that starts a domino chain reaction that takes you to your goal ultimately? So the coach makes sure you're on that right track, that when you flick the first domino, it's actually lined up and it's going to hit the second domino, the third domino, et cetera, all the way down. I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah, I would say that back to your point about the cons and if you're not somebody who likes a lot of input from their coach, we have so many coaches and so many clients and everybody communicates differently. So you need to figure out with your coach, it's really important as to your cadence of communication. Do you like WhatsApps or are you a person who loves phone calls? How many times are you going to be contacted during the week? Is it just a text message? So kind of get that pretty straight um, at the start so your coach understands the expectations or you know your availability. So this is from Jesse Huntley. PHX. And he very simply says, aero bars, are they worth it? Now, another fellow wrote in underneath on Twitter and said, probably improving aerodynamics will generally see bigger gains than shaving off weight as long as you're not going up a big hill. That comment was from Alan Goodman. So what do you think of that kind of little exchange that's going on between Jesse and Alan? Aero bars are they worth it if you want to go faster? Yes. Aero bars are they worth it if you're in a gravel race? It's in a slightly new regulatory environment where aero bars are allowed in some races and not allowed in others. Generally, if you want to go faster, aero bars are definitely worth it. If you're a road racer, you're going to have very little opportunity to use aero bars. So they're not worth it as a training investment. They're not like a training aid that's going to help you be a better road racer. If you're in races against the clock, triathlon, time trials, gravel, aero bars, get them every time. And what about this comment that getting aerodynamic will see bigger gains than shaving off weight? Yes. 
Okay, absolutely. Okay, great. One more comment on the bars before we move on to tech. I saw a fella on the local bike path the other day, a triathlete. I could tell by the length of his socks. And there was kids on pink bikes and balance bikes, dogs and people everywhere. And this fella was going at 90 miles an hour on his uh, bars. For me, that's a big no. If you're listening out there, thumbs down. Yeah, it's hard to know his experience. Like, I didn't see the person and it's hard to give those broad sweeping statements. I've, you know, friends that have been podium in national time trial that live locally in Clontarf and they would ride that track in their aero bars a lot, but they're very, very proficient bike handlers. Yeah, he, he wasn't. So, but you're generalized. No, I know. I know, I, I know by the way he was handling his bike that he wasn't. If you want to talk about someone who wasn't a proficient bike rider, we came out of David Goggins the other night and we were oh, walking dear. along the Keys <laughs> in Dublin and we were remarking how beautiful Dublin looks at night, yada, yada. Someone came along on a Dublin rental bike, which is our kind of equivalent of a Boris bike, and cycled straight into a pole. Now, he may have smoked quite a bit of marijuana. There was the a bit of a bang off him, wasn't there? <laughs> but I think he was a student or something. Yeah, but like he, he bounced back up. The adrenaline was coursing through his bones. But I know for a fact that fella has at least six broken bones. I mean... <laughs> it was like he got hit with a sniper off the roof. He didn't know what was going on. He the was just clang, baffled. The clang. And the bike, those bikes must be completely bulletproof because it didn't even have a scratch on it. No. <laughs> well made. Well made. The lesson there is head up, accidents down. Okay, let's move on to tech. Okay, Anthony, do you have a spare 210 euro knocking around? Because if so, <laughs> I have the gadget for you. You are always going on about optimizing your indoor training space. So loads of fans, having a bit of entertainment, having a good, you know, like your Watt bike ready to hop on. It's all very convenient. So Ecoy, do you know that brand? They're like a French brand. They come out with these wacky ideas every couple of years. And this time around, it's they have released this sleeveless indoor training vest. And it and built into it, it has these onboard blowers, just four of them, to stop you overheating on the turbo. So it basically just stops your body temperature while you're on Swift. And they think, and they're saying, the mantra is that this is going to revolutionize indoor cycling. And it took years of research and months of testing with a couple of pros who have put their name to this. And yeah, so basically you pop this vest on and it essentially seals and blows very cold air directly onto your torso and keeps your body temperature quite low. What do you think? Warren Barguil and Maxime Bowe seem to be in Thank you for saying it, that because so I didn't know how to pronounce their names. It yeah. looks pretty warm, the jackets, to me. <laughs> like, I would prefer to train indoors without my top on. It looks cozy, doesn't it? It looks very, very warm. <laughs> I think I might be sooner to just have my top off and be closer to a window and have my fan set up. But I'm not saying that it's not going to work, but it just, it looks like it could have been a lighter design. If you're trying to keep someone cool, I wouldn't have designed something that looks like a kind of a sleeveless winter ski jacket. In fairness, there's two layers to it and the inner layer is that like wicking fabric. Well, you, you need know, two so. layers to your indoor <laughs> clothes. I don't know if you do. One of the comments I saw in an article about it was, um, just checking, I haven't been in a coma for a few months and woken up on the 1st of April. Nope, still February. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Roadman, thank you for tuning in. Have an amazing Friday. Sarah's going to be back to you again tomorrow. Talk to you then and I'll be back on Monday. Ride safe. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.